Good morning, everyone. My name is Nick. My Dharma name is Wan Hewal, and today I'll be giving a talk on hurting the ox of our mind. The verses to the ten ox-herding pictures are a series of poems and illustrations describing the process and stages of mind practice. The poems were written by Master Puming during the Ming Dynasty of China. Herding the Ox of Our Mind is a book by our fifth Prime Dharma Master Kyungsan that analyzes and interprets these verses through the lens of Wan Buddhism. During the first year of the pandemic, our temple started an online book club with the goal of reading this book. Over the course of about five months, we slowly read its pages and analyzed the chapters within. Now, I've chewed on these verses many times, like a cow. I'm going to do it again and share the results with you today. Chapter one, still unherded. Fearsome is this raging, snorting ox. Running wildly, it charges through mountains and streams. Countless tender green shoots are trampled under the ox's pounding hooves. According to Master Kyungsan, this chapter refers to the time before a person encounters the Buddha Dharma, a time when desire and impulse run unfettered by conscience or consideration. In this stage, the dark cloud of ignorance obscures the true nature of the ox. Any oxherd that tries to approach is simply dragged on the ox's rampage. In this stage, there is a complete lack of awareness of the impact of one's actions. The tender green shoots trampled in the poem refer to the damage dealt by actions taken without awareness. The founding master told a story of a man who is in this stage in verse 54 of chapter 3. The founding master said to Namchun, The other day I saw a man riding an ox. It seemed, though, that the man wasn't leading the ox, but the ox was leading the man. If the ox went into a thorny patch or a ditch, the man was led into a thorny patch or a ditch. If the ox went up into the hills or out into the fields, the man was led there too. Pitching forward and backwards, the man's clothes were ripped and his body injured. It was painful to watch. After seeing this, I suggested that if he held the ox's reins tightly and by leading it only on the road, kept it from going wherever it wanted, then wouldn't he be able to avoid such a mishap? The man replied, That would be wonderful, but said that when he got the ox, he did not know how to train it, and let the ox have complete control. Now, as the man aged, the ox was getting wilder, and he no longer had the ability to control it. In the same way that the man in the verse was dragged about by the ox, those in the stage are dragged along by their desires. I'm sure that most of us have experienced a time in our lives when we've been dragged around by our ox. 
I know I have. I was diagnosed with ADHD at an early age, which stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It's a neurological condition with a multitude of symptoms, one of which is executive dysfunction. For the sake of simplicity, you can imagine that I have an ox tied to my ankle. That ox isn't very good at being given orders, and it doesn't sleep as much as it should. Sometimes it also vibrates for no reason. I don't know what that's about. In other words, my mind is constantly active, yet my capacity to translate that mental activity into practical action is lacking. There have been many times when I have felt like the man in the passage. So, what can I do? This executive dysfunction makes things like sitting meditation a challenge. Trying to keep still with an insubordinate, vibrating ox dragging me behind it? What a recipe for disaster. However, with time and practice, I began to learn. Chapter 2. Taming Begun In a flash, the ox herder harnesses the ox's nose with a rope. Jerking back, the ox bucks and lurches. Hard to discipline, the mighty ox fights. The ox herd never relaxes and reigns in the ox with determination and strength. At this stage, we have been introduced to Buddha Dharma and start to identify its value. Still, attachments to desire and ignorance remain, making this one of the more troubling and difficult stages. Through dedication and mindful practice, we can progress forward. Additionally, Master Kyungsan thoughtfully points out that it's also the environment we surround ourselves with that influences our progress. By taking refuge in the Sangha, our teachers, and the Dharma, we become more readily able to shed attachments to unhealthy habits. They become the rope which leads us on our path, even when we would never follow that path of our own accord. When we initially are introduced to the concept of Dharma, people experience things differently. Some seem to have a natural affinity and easily integrated into their thoughts and actions. These people are born into the Dharma world with a small halo and an idyllic tuft of hair. Others struggle when they're born into the world of Dharma. Attachment to secular life leaves them kicking and crying and fighting like the ox in the poem. That's me. If you hand me the ox cord, I would be more liable to fall asleep than use it wisely. As you probably know, one Buddhist practice can be challenging. I remember the first time I went to morning meditation. It was in the Rockville, Maryland temple on a trip with Reverend Wang Gong. I was a teenager at the time, and I was quite comfortably attached to my sleep. We woke up around 5.15 a.m. 
for a 5.30 meditation at her suggestion. I never would have done that by myself as an adult, let alone a teen. I struggled to stay awake during the meditation and found myself drifting into wayward thoughts. Suddenly, I found my body felt like it was falling through the air. Strange. My eyes opened, and the floor was quickly approaching my lethargic face. I started awake, returning to an upright posture. After barely avoiding snack, smacking my nose into the floor, I wondered if all this was really worth it. However, as I started to acclimate to morning meditation, it slowly became one of my favorite practices. My normally racing ox is at its calmest during the morning. I find that the stillness I cultivate during the morning carries into the rest of my day. Chapter 3. Accepting Discipline Gradually subdued, the ox stops kicking and is willing to be led. The ox herd tightly holds the rope, never letting go. Ever alert, oblivious to fatigue. At this stage, it is said that the practitioner has begun to embrace Buddha Dharma. No longer does the practice feel as tiresome, and it starts to become a part of everyday life. This is a difficult stage to reach, and an even more difficult stage to recognize. I'm sure many of you have gotten to this level, but a discerning mind tends to notice challenges and failures far more than successes. Good job on reaching this stage to all you hardworking officers out there. But one needs to be ever vigilant of their mind. Even when things start to feel easier, of all the things, it is most important that we know and are familiar with our ox, our minds. We observe the ox without bias or fear, for we cannot change the ox that we have. Indeed, our mind is the lens through which we perceive all things, and it is therefore extremely important to understand how it distorts and obscures truth. The Founding Master illustrates that in the passage mentioned above. The Founding Master continued, I saw you, Namchun, coming here today, riding on an ox. Where is your ox now? Namchun replied, I'm still riding on its back. The Founding Master asked, What does your ox look like? Namchun replied, It is nearly one fathom tall, yellow in color, wears hempen shoes, and has salt and pepper whiskers. The founding master laughed and said, You know the looks of your ox pretty well. Then does your ox do whatever you tell it to do, or are you too led around by it? Namchun said, It usually does what I tell it. If the ox is lazy in doing what it's supposed to do, and if it tries to do the wrong thing, I command it firmly to stop. The founding master said, Since you have already discovered your ox and know how to train it, and since it usually listens to what you tell it to do, 
You must work hard to train it further, so that you may do all kinds of things with complete freedom. This is one of my favorite passages in the Red Book. Their dialogue is so candid and the imagery is so clear. It highlights exactly what we need to do. Gain familiarity with our ox and find out the most effective way to train it. If we don't, we risk being dragged into thorny bushes or face planting on a temple floor in the middle of morning meditation. But how can we get to know our ox? By taking time to calmly focus and observe our minds, we can start to understand what our ox looks like. For me, my ox is a gangly, clumsy ox with long hair. It often forgets to trim its whiskers, and it doesn't like loud noises. It doesn't do well when being told what to do directly, but rather it likes to feel like it has decided its own path. So I often build clear paths that the ox can follow, sometimes with obstacles to make it feel accomplished. My ox is currently doing a pretty good job of following that path. I start my first semester at UNC Chapel Hill tomorrow after transferring in from Durham Tech, a mountain I don't think would have been possible to scale without constant observation of my ox. The more I understand my ox, the more things I can accomplish. Just don't tell my ox that I plan to get here. He thinks it was his idea. For some of us, it may come naturally, but for most of us, learning our minds takes time and patience. You may be surprised to find out that your ox really likes chanting and will follow your guidance anywhere as long as you chant softly to it. If you're lucky, you may also find that your ox takes well to simply being told what to do. Next time you sit quietly, take a minute to get to know your ox and let me know what it looks like in the chat. Good luck, herders.